This podcast is a product of 21st Century Democracy. Welcome to Counterfeit Politique. Uh, I'm Jacob Regaza. I'm Chris. And I'm Cyrus. Today we will be talking about NFTs. So we've got a real cool title. Feel free to screenshot. So first thing you might be asking is what exactly is an NFT? And if you're your average tech bro, um, you know, crypto guy on Wall Street, maybe you'll know, but... For all of our audience out there, like Cyrus, why don't you uh, sure, talk about course, it? Sure, of course, So NFTs stand for non-fungible tokens, and non-fungible means that it is unique and cannot be replaced. NFTs can be anything digital, uh, such as music, digital artwork, videos, GIFs, um, and the majority of NFTs are upheld by the Ethereum blockchain. And Ethereum is a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, but its blockchain can be used to support NFTs. So what it does is it allows NFTs to be created or minted, and it stores data that indicates the originality of the digital creation. To put this in simpler terms, let's consider a piece of artwork like the Mona Lisa. There may be thousands of replicas, but there is only one original Mona Lisa. NFTs create a way for digital artwork to indicate the originality of the creation. All right, so that sounds pretty cool. Um, obviously, it's complex, but like it's it's a thing that's been pretty big, right? Lots of investment, mm-hmm. um, lots of stuff that you're seeing about it in the news too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I it's, think it's really interesting. Like, what do you guys think? Yeah, it's becoming a sort of like a status symbol. Like, I see a lot of like rappers using it to show that like they have wealth. Like Eminem acquired his own NFT of like himself as an ape for like a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> so it's quickly becoming something that like it's it's becoming like. Like uh, like the new Cuban link, but for like you know computers, I guess. I also think it's kind of weird because like, I feel like a lot of these companies are literally making NFTs just to seem like they're more like with it. You yeah. know, like they're trying to be more like tech savvy. Um, and I think I actually saw this thing recently. It was like in video games, and they were introducing NFTs as like an in-game reward for playing so many hours. And people were really upset about it because they think it ascribes value to. Um, the amount of hours that all these people are putting into their games. So I think it's interesting because people are trying to force them in, it sort of feels like, and there's definitely like a lot of blowback from these communities. Uh, yeah, yeah, at the same time, it's uh, pretty fascinating that people are willing to spend millions of dollars on these NFTs. Uh, you've probably all heard of the NFT sold by Beeple for over $69 million at auction. Um, obviously, there is some value nice. to these NFTs if uh, people are willing to spend such extraordinary amounts of money on, on them. Do you guys think it was worth it? you think it was worth 60 whatever million No, hell no. No, I don't, I don't think it was worth that much money. Um, I think that a lot of the big arguments against NFTs are like, oh, you wouldn't screenshot a car, but I feel like a lot of the value of NFTs come from just looking at it, and when that can be so easily replicated, like, where's the value in that, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. I, like, I think it's definitely a product of the hype, um, but the thing that's really got me interested in NFTs lately is I was listening to a podcast by uh, Ezra Klein on NFTs. I know he's your favorite, Jake. Oh, right? God. <laughs> Yeah, so I was listening, and this woman comes on, and like she's definitely like very, 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 very pro crypto. Um, you know, Wall Street definitely is super like leveraged in the NFT market. Um, but she brought up this interesting point, and it's the fact that artists can sort of do this thing where they like put in the code that every single time, say it's like music, every single time that that gets sold, they get a cut. Um, so it's like built-in royalties by virtue of the product itself. So like, what do you guys think, like application-wise? I think that's big. 
you yeah, know? I mean, I definitely think NFTs do have real-world application, especially when it comes to digital artwork or music, um, videos. Um, they, they really serve uh, the purpose of proving the originality of the content. And I think that's extremely valuable, especially um, in a digital platform where, where things can be repu replicated by the image, but you need something that uh, demonstrates the originality. Yeah, Cyrus is definitely more a bit of a more mm, of a, a pro. pro <laughs> out of the three of us, no, like Jacob, like he's I, th a bit, yeah. I think that when it comes to ownership of property with artists, I, I don't, I'm not sure if NFTs are the only answer because I've I've heard of things like the Resonate Co-op, which is a music streaming service that actually accurately pays artists. Freddie um, Gibbs, it, yeah, Freddie Gibbs is on that. <laughs> um, I think that because you know it's instead of like you streaming and it only pays the artist like. 0.03 cents per stream it like actually like if you stream it nine times it's like twelve dollars so i think that like there's ways to prove ownership and to allow artists to like reap the benefits of their work that don't have the huge environmental impact that nfts do so and i think that's a huge point for me that like the carbon footprint that nfts and cryptocurrency in general has i think that's a huge point against it i but like i also think it, it's kind of revolutionary just looking at it from like a market standpoint mm -hmm. right so like, you know, obviously people definitely, the price is from the hype in a lot of ways. Um, but that sort of got me thinking about something like Supreme, right? So you know how you get all those royalties on the secondary market if you're like um, an artist using an NFT? What, like, think about how revolutionary that would be for Supreme or like Nike, whose products have um, really inflated values on secondary markets like StockX. So think about how that could sort of change the marketplaces that we live in. Um, I think it would definitely make things harder for some consumers um, just to buy like everyday things that they might want. Um, but I think that's really interesting. But let's maybe take a pause on that. Let's go back to the environmental thing because mm -hmm. that's big, right? So mm -hmm. I guess we might have to turn to Cyrus here, resident crypto bro, to talk about <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely the environmental impact of cryptos is uh, something of concern. Um, so a lot of cryptocurrencies operate under a proof-of-work model, um, and this is um, what uh, upholds the blockchain. And um, unfortunately, the proof-of-work model, it does use um, a lot of energy uh, to uphold the blockchain. And so some cryptocurrencies are starting to make the transition into a proof-of-stake model. And that um, requires much less energy. Um, so the cryptocurrencies that are trying to do that are marketing themselves as much more environmentally friendly. They've uh, staked their claim, so to speak, right? Get it? Yeah, a little, <laughs> little pun action. Um, so that's true, but do you think that it's sort of, um, not necessarily obsolete, but do you think that transition is going to be delayed because Bitcoin, as sort of like a proof of work um, currency, like do you think that because it's the first, because it's definitely the most popular, most well-known, do you think that sort of prevents a lot of the new stuff you're seeing with like Ether 2.0 and all those changes? Like, do you think that sort of hurts it? Listen, I think Bitcoin being the first crypto out there, um, it's always going to be one of the most relevant cryptos. It is the top dog right now, has the largest market capitalization. Ethereum, though, is making that transition to proof of stake, and it is the second largest crypto. You do have a lot of other cryptos following in Ether's path instead of Bitcoin's because they're seeing um, you know, how Ethereum is making this transition, and it is working for them. Hmm. So... Yeah, like it's working for them, but I also think like one of the big 
sort of pros of crypto, right? Um, or I guess maybe one of the big cons, depending on your perspective, is that it's so free from sort of government oversight, right? right. So like, I think Cyrus has the stats on this, um, just about like people in knowing about crypto. So like, clearly it's been popularized. So I don't know if you could like. Oh yeah, um, at least 16% of pe Americans um, have indicated that they have traded crypto uh, in the past. Um, especially with 2021 being a crazy crypto year i think a lot of people um you know crypto is at the forefront of the news so definitely there's a lot of uh, people out there who know of crypto and a lot of people who are trading it yeah and i definitely think that's helped by things like coinbase right sort of like your robin hood for your average sort of investor do you think that since there's so many people in it since there's so many americans in particular that are like leveraged within that market they have some equity in there do you think we should regulate it? Well, I think a lot of the value of crypto, like a, a big selling point is that there's no middleman in the, in the transfer of uh, currency, the transfer of funds. So I think that government regulation would, I think, I, I don't know if it would devalue it, but it would take away a major like selling point of, um, it would take away a major selling point of crypto. It would drive down a lot of the demand. So yeah, I don't know what it would do. I mean, I think some like, have you heard of this guy, Naib Bukele? No. The, uh, he's the president of, I think, Honduras. Um, or maybe it's El Salvador. It's definitely El Salvador. Um, and he did this crazy thing where he made uh, Bitcoin one of the state's official currencies. Mm -hmm. So you can buy things and pay for things in Bitcoin, which I think is kind of weird because the price tends to fluctuate quite a bit, especially now. Um, do you think that's sort of like a viable way to integrate crypto and it's kind of institutionalized because it's like a formal currency but they don't really do anything with it so like what do you well an interesting point i heard about crypto is that i was watching this video by the gravel institute essentially the thesis classic. of the video yeah <laughs> that's a jacob classic yeah, right yeah there. it is it is no Love but it. the gravel institute the point was that uh uh the entire thesis of the video was that the that the entire idea of cryptocurrency and the way it works is like basically a pyramid scheme because it because it fluctuates and people only buy into it to get rich quick and it's not well I mean what's crypto used for you don't see crypto at you know in normal stores you drug see deals. it yeah it's, it's used for drug back it's, in the days of Silk Road yeah I know, it's used for Silk thing, Road yeah. and that's it used to like you know buy drugs on the dark web but it's it's basically used for that it's money laundering buying bad stuff and like you know and it's a get rich quick scheme so I think that. Um, yeah, I think that it indelibly the people who it it's gonna hurt are the people who, I guess, invest in it quick and not the people, not the you know the original owners of Bitcoin because they still profit from that. So I don't I don't really I haven't seen its legitimacy just because I don't see its widespread acceptance yet. So maybe it's something we have yet to see. Yeah, I mean I feel I do agree with Jacob. There is a lot of money that's in crypto for the wrong reasons, and a lot of people are trying to take advantage of the volatility of crypto like they would uh, you know, any other stock. But um, crypto, I do believe, definitely has its applications. As we were discussing with NFTs, um, you know, there is real world application to these cryptos. The only thing for me, and this is something that I've thought of as really interesting, and as a space that definitely needs regulation, is that yes, like your Bitcoin wallet, all that stuff, and Bitcoin wallets hold NFTs, by the way, they sort of hold like those are safe those are secure but the bigger issue is that a lot of these sort of like transaction services looking at things like coinbase looking at like mount gox like these are the ways that people are really able to buy cryptocurrencies and they're getting hacked 
So yeah. I think that that is a really big point of concern because that's where everybody accesses their crypto. Um, and when they're hacked, that is literally millions, potentially billions of dollars at stake, um, especially with the inflated prices of crypto right now. So I think if we're looking for regulation, which I definitely think we should, and we'll definitely talk more about this in a little, but I think we have no choice but to look into these coin sellers, maybe consider some sort of government oversight, maybe government, not necessarily takeover, but heavy guidance, looking at something like the SEC, maybe a Bureau of Cryptocurrency, maybe that's a little far, but like, hey, if it's coming, like we gotta be prepared, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like, what do you guys, are you pro-regulation, anti, obviously like? Um, I'm definitely open to regulation in the crypto sphere. I think uh, regulation is not necessarily a bad thing. A lot of crypto investors sometimes think it is, uh, but regulation, it is seen as a sign of maturity. And as Chris mentioned, there is uh, risk to crypto um, in terms of hacking. And so I do think regulation would uh, be seen as a positive step forward. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, I think uh, it's definitely something that needs to be regulated just because, you know, like we've mentioned, it's carbon footprint, it's, uh, you know, environmental impact. Um, and I also, yeah, and, you know, also it's uh, dealings with, uh, you know, uh, criminals. crime. Yeah, criminals <laughs> and money laundering. Um, yeah, but money I, laundering is big. Yeah, money laundering is big. I think it's, uh, but it's definitely something that needs to be, I, I know it's all about America and it's all about the free market, but at the end of the day, there need to be limits on something that, at the end of the day, it's not, I don't, to me, to a lot of people, it just doesn't seem like real money. Just because I, I think it needs to find a place to, it needs to become a legitimate currency. I, I can't think of a currency that, you know, isn't regulated, so. The Venezuelan Bolivar, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess that's kind of regulated, too. Yeah. And I think the funny thing is, is that a lot of countries are doing funny things with their currency anyway. Yeah. Um, you look at Turkey, and that's an absolute, uh, what's a nicer way to say this, disaster. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, Erdogan is doing these, like, crazy anti supposedly anti-inflation policies, but he's not listening to any of like the economists. Mm. Um, so maybe that there's a bit of an analogy there. Um, so I don't know if like, definitely both should be regulated in a more sustainable way. So, but like nothing is perfect. Yeah. So, I, I just saw like Elon Musk like trash Dogecoin and then it just completely plummeted. I think like something that's so volatile definitely needs like, it definitely needs protection so people just don't get screwed over. And how do you guys feel about Dogecoin? Honestly, I don't know wish enough I bought about it. it. <laughs> Low key, wish I bought it. Wish I bought it. It was mad cheap. It was? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a couple cents or something. Um, but I think it's really interesting that you sort of see like all these like get rich quick, um, not even schemes, but like people that actually do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess you see it with like GameStop, AMC too. So it's not that crazy. But I think especially because the, the access to a lot of these financial in instruments has sort of been, um, I guess it's been democratized, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I think that's really huge. So crypto at the very least is open to the people. So I think you have to keep that in mind when you're sort of trying to regulate too, right? Yeah, I think my question about it would be like, like what does it add? Like what do, like, what do people who use, like people who get rich off crypto, like, I guess the idea in, in capitalism, right, is that you create a product, you know, you do good for society, and that'll make you money. You do things that regulate the society, right? It'll, you know, you'll be profitable, you'll be, able to, you'll be able to live off that. What does crypto add to society, you know? Other than, like, you know, a safe, a safe method of transaction. Air quotes, you know. 
I mean, a lot of people talk about like the blockchain, so maybe like Cyrus, like... No, there's definitely some uh, cryptocurrencies that are not necessarily solely focused on, you know, serving as a platform for transactions. Um, I'll give the example of Mana or Decentraland. Um, okay, that's a okay, okay, all right. <laughs> that's a cryptocurrency that's focusing on bi- big, building a digital world. Um, and that can have massive applications in, uh, in terms of videos and uh, in the gaming realm, especially um, when you're trying to model these different worlds. And so there are applications that are outside of solely the transaction realm. Yeah, no, for um, sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, blockchain is big. Blockchain is definitely big. I think that's another thing, just like the NFTs, right? Where um, I think it's kind of getting forced in, in a lot of ways. Um, and it's not super helpful, but you know, I think having that kind of secure um, sort of space is really helpful if we're going to move into something like the metaverse, right? Like the yeah. whole, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, Mark like, Zuckerberg. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't mean to steal your like dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, no, I didn't, I didn't want to talk about it. I just want to know what you guys think about it because I think it's like kind of it's kind of crazy. Like an entire. I didn't. I didn't look that. I didn't look too much into it. But like the idea of like owning land or there being like virtual landlords yeah. or something like having an like owning an NFT to that property like the, out of, that just seems kind of crazy and also just a waste of like resources to me. So. I've looked into it like pretty extensively um, because I, I think it's really value. interesting, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like the internet was this thing that a lot of people thought was a fad and it definitely revolutionized our world. Like we're posting this podcast using the internet so that other people can listen to it on the internet. Um, so it's definitely changed the way that we live our lives. And I think the metaverse has the potential to do that. And as much as I think the music stuff is like cool with NFTs, I don't think it's as useful for art because as our title says, you know, feel free to screenshot. Easy to just take a photo of it. Um, But I think in the metaverse is where the value of those NFTs is sort of realized because even though you can still screenshot, you know, say you can authenticate things, right? Like people don't care about forged baseball cards. No. Right? So like if you had a painting in your like virtual house, because the whole idea is like if you've ever seen Ender's Game, it's literally that. Um, If it were real, I don't know how I would feel about it, but... Uh, I guess it's possible and especially like VR technology. I I think that's like something that we should explore as well. And like if we're going to talk about regulation, there might not be that much like public polling stuff about it. Like maybe I'll just look some up right now, but that would be something that would need to be regulated. Like, It's definitely just something like, maybe it's just me. I just don't see the utility for it at all. I don't see, I don't see the value in like moving more of our world like to digital. I think like, having tangible things you know having tangible or or having tangible things and not relying so much on like you know technology and the internet as great as the internet is i don't i don't see the value in putting so much time and effort into something that's not tangible yes i think yeah jacob i think you make a really good point there um it is in a way kind of scary how much we are transitioning to this like everything being virtual um and i think as jacob said it is very important for us to uh, you know, not necessarily get consumed by these like digital worlds, um, which is something that could foreseeably be a risk um, in the near future. So maybe you have like those public health campaigns, you know, just like got milk or like don't <laughs> smoke or something like <laughs> don't, don't, <laughs> yeah. don't spend too much time on the metaverse. 
Um, but I'm seeing these facts right now from earthweb.com, so take it with a grain of salt. But um, it's saying 10 billion has been invested in metaverse. That I've actually seen elsewhere. Um, but 10,000 jobs estimated to be created over a five-year period. Um, I think there's a lot of potential. Um, and I don't see it as just like you know, a glorified video game, like, oh, you're going to play like Call of Duty or something in like the real world, which might be a little scary for me, not going to lie. Um, but like maybe things like virtual schooling, right? Like we hate Zoom learning, but what if you could feel like you're physically in the classroom with VR? Or like what if you're coming from like a third world country or something and the only thing that you have is access to internet, right? So maybe that would be another like democratization of sort of like the resources of the world through the internet. Um, but I guess that's all kind of relying on the fact that the equipment wouldn't be too expensive. It's the, it's also just like, I, I mean, we, we could do that, but we could also just, you know, build schools in third world countries. You know, I think that, <laughs> I, I feel like that would make more, it, it's just like, I, I like the quality. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, like, what if you could have, I mean, you already kind of see this with like, yeah. MIT has like their own like open courseware. Like I've taken a bunch of courses on it. Um, so it's kind of like that, but is it really accessible to like a large scale audience? Yes. Are people willing to do it? No, because it's not a part of their curricula from the outset. Also, does, I don't know if it's true, but does the majority of the world have access to crypto? Definitely not. Because I don't yeah. even think... Or not even crypto. I mean, like, to, the to, the internet? The, yeah, to the internet. I mean, yeah, let's, let's check on that. Let's so see. like... 44.6 billion. So like a little bit over half. All right. Over half is not bad. I it's mean, not bad. Also, you have to worry about like... How good is that connection? Yeah. Um, also, that number has progressed rapidly recently, which is really exciting to see. Yeah. Um, but when you're looking at those kinds of things, I think you know some people are gonna have like 3G internet. If yeah. You know what I mean, like it's just like I feel like e any any utility that this might have, we could also just you know sync it into like actual solutions, like like the one I mentioned with um, the, like the one I mentioned with schools in third world countries like that's something that you know why don't we just invest in the real solutions rather than trying to go through them through like digital you know if we're investing 10 million dollars in this crazy like you know metaverse thing i don't know i, th I think it's something that like it's worth looking into but it's just like is it, it it's a cost benefit analysis type of thing i guess i mean cost benefit analysis like i already know some uh <laughs> oh boy big text here but i already know that some of the people that are going to be coming in to that sphere are gonna be really pushing for it because think yeah. about how much money can you make. Right. Like I think it's like it's really like the next frontier. You know, they're all trying to become Mark Cuban. You know, I don't, I don't know. A lucky billionaire. I don't want everybody. I don't want it to be like Wall. You ever seen like Wally? Like I don't want it to turn oh, into yeah. that where we're no, all like so overwhelmed. Wally enters game. Like we think about these things already. Yeah. But like science fiction becomes real. You know. Yeah. Um. So I guess maybe that's a good place to end. Um, thank you so much. This has been Counterfeit Politique. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess two messages, regulate cryptocurrency and consider investing in Meta. Mm -hmm. Not Facebook, Meta. All right, thanks. And we will catch you guys at the next one. A special thanks to uh, Mr. Maltarolo. Yes, exactly. Um, big thanks to Mr. Malt. And we will see you next time. Cue the outro. This has been Counterfeit Politique.